Good evening, brethren. Let's go to Isaiah 66. I want to look at verses 10 through 14 with you. This passage here is about the rejoicing of every child of God, the, the rejoicing of the church who has been delivered by the Lord Jesus Christ, who's been comforted and helped and saved from their sin and destruction by the Lord Jesus Christ, the salvation that God has provided. The language that's used in this scripture, this passage here, it's describing great joy. It's describing the rejoicing of those who delight in the church of God. They delight in their God and what he has done for his people. It's as the it's the way that you rejoice when someone in your family gives birth. It's a rejoicing at, at a joyful time when there's when you're happy and thankful that the child is healthy and has been born well and, and things are going well. And it's a passage that has illustrations of our God's comforts. It describes the comforts of our Lord. And there's, you get the sense when you look at it that this household, this home, is a blessed home. The children there are well cared for. And they're happy. And the mother of, of this house is a doting mother who who does all she can do to make sure that her children are well nourished and cared for. And she comforts them in every trial. She takes care of them. She provides for them. And she ensures that they are healthy and blessed. And so the title of this message is Faith's Consolations. Faith's Consolations. So the first word is to you who, who are joyful, who take great care and concern for the church, you whose interest is in the church of God. You care about the welfare of the family of God. And so I'm going to read verses 9 and 10 because they really should be read together so that you get the sense and you get the thrust of verse 10. So let's pick up in verse 9. Shall I bring to the birth, this is the Lord speaking, shall I bring to the birth and not cause to bring forth, saith the Lord? Shall I cause to bring forth and shut the womb, saith thy God? Rejoice ye with Jerusalem, and be glad with her, all ye that love her. Rejoice for joy with her, all ye that mourn, for her. And so it's speaking of a time when the birth of the child is at hand. And if something were to go wrong, it would be a time of mourning. You're you're emotionally and mentally vested in the Lord's family. You care about what's going on in the kingdom of God. And if something were to go wrong, you would be in mourning. If something were to happen with, the, with uh, a, the birth of a child of a family member, you'd be sad 
you would feel sorrow for them and you'd be concerned and worried about the welfare of the mother and, and the child and that family. But if all goes well, it's joy. It's rejoicing. There's nothing to, to be concerned about. You're just so thankful and relieved and glad because there's great joy in that family. It's a time of rejoicing when a child is born and when that child is healthy and all those concerns and worries that you had begin to melt away. There's, there's a time of rejoicing. And instead of that mourning, instead of it not coming to pass, it's the child is, is born. And our Lord tells us that all of his chosen elect people, you that have loved ones, you that pray for your children and family members and friends and neighbors and co-workers, the Lord says, all that are mine, I will bring to the birth. They shall hear. In the appointed hour, in the day of his choosing, they will hear this glorious good news and they shall be wrought or born into the family of God. And so the Lord's telling us they're, they're not going to fail to, to hear this word and to, to live again from the dead. Turn over to Romans 8. Let's see this in Romans 8. And we'll go to verse 15. This is just one example of the life which our God gives to his children when he gives them life. Romans 8.15 For ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. This is not just another failed iteration of your works in religion where you've tried again and again to do the same thing. This is different. This is of the Lord. You've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And so, like a child who is brought to the birth, and when they are, are taken from the womb and they're cleaned up, they begin to, to cry and they begin to breathe and to cry out. And, and here it's described as crying, Abba, Father. Whether you're Jew or Gentile, the Lord has one salvation which he brings all his people to. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And so our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has triumphed gloriously. And he has wrought this salvation for you, his children. You, his people, whom he loved, whom the Father gave to him and committed to his care. He's redeemed his people by the death of himself, and now, having risen from the dead, in the appointed hour of his grace, he gives life with power. He delivers you from darkness. He delivers you from death. He delivers you from trusting false ways and, and polluted works and things of this flesh that cannot save. And so we live by the life and power 
of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so the church here, her rejoicing is as our Lord describes in Scripture. And I'm going to be reading from a few verses in Luke 15. But, for example, he gives us a number of examples here in Luke 15. And when a shepherd, we read of a shepherd who has lost one of his sheep, and we're told in verse 6 that when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. Or, there's a woman he speaks of down in verse 9, a woman who has ten pieces of silver, and she loses one piece. Right? And if you had ten pieces of silver, and you dropped one and it rolled away under the counter, you would search for that one. You wouldn't be discontent with the nine. You'd want all ten pieces. And it says, when she hath found it, she calleth her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the piece which I had lost. And then, down in verses 23 and 24, regarding the prodigal son, who was brought to himself by the grace of God, who caused him to see, what am I doing here? How did I get here? Let me return unto my father. And when he does, the father joyfully, gladly receives his son, saying, bring hither the fatted calf and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. For this, my son, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to be merry. Well, Christ has secured your salvation. He's brought you out of the grip of death. You were dead in trespasses and sins. You were under the, the, the spell and the power of the evil one, following the course of this world. And that's where every one of us would be were it not for the grace of your God and Savior, who by his grace called you, who separated you unto this gospel by his spirit and called you under the true and living gospel, that the gospel of God, the true and living God, who wrought marvelously in your hearts and delivered you from dead things that cannot save. And so the Lord's people rejoice. We rejoice in our own salvation. We rejoice in the salvation of the Lord's people. We're thankful. We're happy for it. In verse 10 of that same chapter, Luke 15, Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. And so there is great joy. There's, there's great joy, and we shouldn't seek to mitigate that because it's a wonder of grace when the Lord saves his people. It's a wonder of grace that he saved me. And I'm sure when, when you think about it, it's a wonder of grace that the Lord should save you and reveal his mercy to you and give that to you with clarity and understanding and settle your hearts in Christ to keep trusting him, not looking to self anymore, not looking to experiences, not looking to mourning or to times where you feel up, times where you feel down, not trusting the, the feelings and the, the, the flesh and the mind and just all that we are by nature, but looking to Christ and hearing his word and believing that word. And it's not that we're saved by our knowledge. We're saved by his power, and he reveals this to us 
by His grace, by His Spirit. And so, the next verse that we come to, back in Isaiah 66, verse 11. Here, we're taken from being rejoicers regarding the family, regarding those who are saved, and now we're described as being partakers ourselves. We're now, we see ourselves now as the children, as those babies, those babes in Christ, those children in God's family. As the Lord tells us that he's predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, and that according to the good pleasure of his will. God has done this. Now let's look at verse 11. He says, That ye may suck and be satisfied with the breasts of her, the church's, consolations, that ye may milk out and be delighted with the abundance of her glory. That's quite a word, to milk out. And, and having seen a, a mothers nurse their children, mothers are not happy if they don't think their children are receiving enough nutrition and, and, and milk. But they are delighted when they think, I think she or he got a full, a full amount tonight. I think it went really well. And they're delighted over that. And that's what the Lord is, is saying, what the church is saying. We're delighted. When the Lord is blessing his people, pouring out his spirit upon his people, comforting them, teaching them, settling them, answering their questions, providing for them, delivering them, we're thankful. We, we're glad. We're, we're so, we're, we're, we rejoice in that. And, and, and it's that we may suck out the, the, the milk of consolation, that we may be partakers of those consolations which comfort the church. And that's what the word consolation is. It's, it's our comfort. It's those things which the Lord has made known to us that give us comfort. In the midst of a, of a perverse generation, in the midst of a world full of sin and death and commotion and calamity and all kinds of crazy stuff going on, but in that, in the home of the Lord, of his people, there are consolations and comforts for you, his people. And so, these are, these consolations are sucked out by the mouth of faith. They're received by the mouth of faith. So that we receive these consolations and understand these by that faith. So first, Christ is the consolation of his people. Reading from 2 Corinthians 1.5, he says, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. Right? We've been made sensitive and concerned about things that we see in, in, in the earth, things that we see in our own lives, things we feel in our own hearts and, and minds. And yet even as there is suffering in the flesh, where's our consolation? But in the Lord Jesus Christ, and looking to Him, and hearing His voice, and remembering what He's done for us. Paul said in Ephesians 2.14, He is our peace. He's our peace. He's our mediator. He's the mediator of the grace and the salvation of God, meeting it out to us, delivering it to us, having accomplished it,
provided everything for us as our substitute so that he spilled his precious blood to wash away our sins, to deliver us from that bondage and fear of guilt and shame and nakedness and not knowing how we were ever going to to fix ourselves, to make things right between us and God. Christ has put all that away. He settled all that by his blood and the giving of his spirit to, to reveal it to us. It's his perfect righteousness that he wrought in obedience to the Father and going to the cross for us. That's our robe of... That, his, his righteousness clothes our nakedness and our shame so that now, whether we die tonight or we die... 50 years from now, we'll stand before our God in perfect righteousness accepted of him for Christ's sake, for Christ's sake. In Colossians 3, 3 through 4, we said, uh, Paul writes, For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God, so that the law has no condemning power over you or me anymore. He can't, he can't touch us. The law cannot touch us there. The accuser of the brethren can't touch us there so that we might be, be affected or troubled at times or persecuted at times, but nothing he can do can rattle or, or destroy that bond that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ. We're in his family. And when Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory and the brightness of his glory shining as the bright stars he's will we'll shine in him now one more scripture second thessalonians 2 verse 16 and 17 let's see the second thessalonians 2 16 and 17 now our lord jesus christ himself and god even our father which hath loved us and hath given us ever lasting consolation and good hope through grace comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work and isn't that that true when brother when you're speaking to patients and people you you meet with in in your business how you can just speak the grace of God you can speak peaceably declaring what the Lord has done for you, because it's not you that convinces them. It's not you that has to get them to agree with you. You can speak it with grace in your heart, knowing what the Lord has done for you, and you can just speak that truth and exalt the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing that He does what He will in the hearts of His people, delivering them from, from death as he pleases, as it pleases Him to do. A second consolation is the Holy Spirit, who in Scripture is called the Comforter. The Comforter. And so, reading from John 15, verse 26, But when the Comforter is come, when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. And so we're comforted and consoled by the Spirit who takes the things of Christ and lays them to your heart, makes them effectual to you. 
effectual to your understanding. And you receive them in grace by the Spirit giving them to you because you are a new creature in Christ. You're born again of the seed of Christ, that incorruptible seed whereby you hear and you believe the things of your God. He applies those promises of our God to us in Christ. He cheers our heart with the hearing of the gospel. He applies the blood as we have need of it. He teaches us. He reminds us. And he remains with us. He never forsakes us. Never leaves us. Not even in our sin. He never leaves us. But he's always doing that which the Father and the Son have sent him to do, which is to to deliver his people and bring them into the kingdom and to teach them and keep them. Third, we have the consolation of the scriptures. And the scriptures reveal to us the testimony of our God concerning what we are, our sin, what our works are, so that we have no confidence in this flesh because we see the Lord doesn't save us because of our works. He saves us for Christ's sake. We have the consolation of the promises of God in these scriptures. Just as we were looking at uh, last week and the week before in, in Genesis 3.15, where the Lord promises that by the seed of woman, he shall crush the serpent's head. He shall bruise his head. And, and we see that worked out in the scriptures. The Lord giving us his promises. And we see the promise of his accomplished redemption. And then fourth, we have the consolation of the covenant of God's grace, which has been established in the blood of Christ, not by our works. Therefore, this covenant does not change. What God has done for you will not change. It is fixed and certain in the eternal purpose of God's good pleasure, fixed for us in the Lord Jesus Christ. Fifth, we have the consolation of the ordinances of the gospel. We've been baptized into Christ. We take of the Lord's Supper once a month and we come together. We have the consolation of hearing the gospel preached. We have the consolation of public worship. And we have the consolation of fellowshipping with the saints so that we rejoice with them. We rejoice in the word of God. We rejoice how that the Lord answers our questions, how the Lord settles us, how the Lord puts our focus on Christ once again. And we look to him. And so God has revealed faith in your hearts. And it's by this faith that we draw out these consolations with understanding. By this faith which he's given so that we hear and receive and believe the things of our God in Christ, rather than just dismissing them and thinking lightly of Christ or nothing of Christ. And so having provided all these comforts to us in our Lord, let's look at Isaiah 66, verses 12 and 13. For thus saith the Lord, Behold, I will extend peace to her like a river. And the glory of the Gentiles like a flowing stream. Then shall ye suck, ye shall be borne upon her sides, and be dandled upon her knees. As one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you, and ye shall be comforted 
in Jerusalem. And so he's saying that every soul whom Christ has died for and laid down his life for, they shall be comforted. Right? We have a, a city whereof the Lord makes us glad. Right? We have that peace of like a, like a river, and the Lord draws his people. We have the assurance and comfort to know that our God draws us to Christ. He's drawn us to Christ. We see Christ as the Savior, as our salvation, as our righteousness, which means God has done that. God has drawn us to him. God has made us to hear him and to believe him. Reading John 6, 44 and 45, No man can come to me except the Father which hath sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man therefore that hath heard and hath learned of the Father cometh unto me. And so that's a great comfort that the hope you have in Christ is given to you of the Lord. It's not of the flesh. The flesh is always looking to the flesh. The flesh is always looking to what we're doing or not doing and putting trust and confidence in those things. But the Lord in grace and mercy turns your eye back to Christ to see that he's done everything. And you that see him and hope in his righteousness, that is of the Lord. And I can think of no greater consolation than to know that God has given you that hope and put that hope in you so that you're looking to him and saying, Lord, if I'm to be saved, if I'm going to cross this, this river Jordan in that day of death and, and, and stand before your throne accepted of you, it's going to be only by your grace. Only by your grace. And, and for Christ's sake. For Christ's sake. For what he's done, Lord. Because I know what I am in, in this self. I know what I am in my flesh. I know my works are not good. I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm, I'm the worst of sinners. And so that hope that you have in Christ is of the Lord. It's of, it's of him. It's not of this, this flesh. And so this is the extension of our God's promise of peace to his people, to his church, like a river. And so the gospel of Christ comes to you as good news, as good news, as peace for sinners condemned to die under the curse of the law who cannot deliver themselves. And we see in these verses how that it's a blessed home. There's a, a, a picture there that this is a joyful home. And oftentimes we, we can remember how there's been times in our homes when we were younger and things weren't always joyful. Things weren't always perfect. Sometimes there was fighting. Sometimes there was hard Difficult times. Some people only had very difficult childhood. But the Lord, you see that, what the Lord has done, how that he's made it a house of peace and a house of prayer and a house to comfort you. When we come here, it's not to ruffle you up or, or to, to scare you or to frighten you, but to turn your eyes once again to Christ, to see what he's done for you. And so the Lord gathers his people in and encourages them with this good news. As one whom his mother comforteth, so will I comfort you. And so turn over to Isaiah 40. 
Let's look at Isaiah 40, a few verses there. You know, religion has us often thinking of God as an austere figure, one who's ready to strike and to hit us when we step out of line and to correct us. And that's often from religion and how they, they speak of, of the Lord. And in the flesh, when we would come to God, he, he is a, a, a holy, holy, holy God. He is perfect in all his ways. And to come to God without the blood, to come to God in our own works, he is, he will meet us, an angry God. We'll meet an angry God in that day. But you that come in the blood of Christ, it's like going to, it's comforting. I just remember going to my grandmother's house, my mom's mom, especially, well, I, I love both my, my grandmothers, but I remember my mom's mom especially because that's the only place we ever got soda, and candy and, and cookies. It was, it was, I liked going there because it was so comforting. <laughs> and I knew I could open up the freezer and just take out an ice cream sandwich. And if my mom said anything, grandma would say, you let him have it. He can have it. <laughs> and it's not that God is a, you know, old doddering grandfather, but in the sense of peace, in the sense of this one loves me and they're going to take care of me and provide for me, in that sense, we come into the home, and that's what the Lord says here in in Isaiah forty, verse one and two: "Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people," saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. And so the comfort that we have, there's still a warfare. We know that there's still trouble and persecutions and difficulties and trials. But the comfort is the one thing needful. The most important thing, it's settled. It's settled. You're not still striving for justification. You're not striving for for righteousness. That's been given fully in Christ. The victory is accomplished. The warfare is is over. You have eternal life in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, I will raise you up in the last day when I return. You are mine. You are mine. And so that's a great comfort. Look at, drop down to verse 27, Isaiah 40, 27. Why sayest thou, O Jacob, and speakest, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over from my God, All right? That was when in, like in religion, when we're looking at our works and we're thinking, if I do this and this, then this is going to improve my standing with God. And then maybe God will hear my prayers and, and bless me. That's dead religion. That's dead things that cannot save. You're not looking to Christ. You're looking to, you're, you're looking to your works and what you're putting together to try and obtain favor from God. That's why... When, when that's our focus, we think our way is hid from the Lord. And we felt ourselves cut off from the Lord. There's no peace in that. But in Christ, that's not what your God gives you. He's not giving you a map how to save yourself and a pattern for you to, to follow after in order to gain a righteousness and acceptance with God. That's provided. So look at verse 28 now. Hast thou not known... 
Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. You keep your eyes on him, not on yourselves. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. Right? In our works, if you're coming to God in your own works of righteousness, in your religion, in your law-keeping, you will stumble and fall and come short of the finish line. You will not reach the mark. You will not obtain that which you seek. You shall come short of it like Israel did, because they sought it not by faith, but by the works of the law. And what the Lord is saying is, hear, hear the good word that he has provided salvation. He has accomplished it already in his son. And those whose eyes are not on their works, not on the law, not looking to what they need to do to please God. Because in Christ, we are pleasing to God. So those who look away from self and look to the salvation that God has provided, who behold the servant of God, who faithfully came, the Lord Jesus Christ, fulfilling all the will of God perfectly. You that look to him, he says, but they that wait upon the Lord. You whose, whose hope of righteousness is in looking to him, waiting upon him, believing his word of promise, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. And they shall walk and not faint. And so your God is saying, come, hear the word. Feed upon the gospel word as newborn babes desiring the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. And so in this gospel, in this house, you shall be dandled upon the knees, enjoying all the consolations that God has given to the church in his son. You'll want for nothing more. You'll thirst for no other righteousness because you'll be satisfied in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what he makes his people to do. When I was reading this, I'm reminded of another verse in Isaiah. Go over to Isaiah 60. Isaiah 60, verse 16. One more encouraging word. Thou shalt also suck the milk of the Gentiles, and shalt suck, of the, uh, suck the breast of kings, and thou shalt know that I, the Lord, am thy Savior and thy Redeemer, the Mighty One of Jacob. And the beauty here is that what the Lord's saying is you don't need to be a rich wealthy influencer in the world, a mighty man, a noble man, a noble person. You don't need that. You don't need to be rich in, in religion and, and, and be a priest and be full of pious works. You may be the poorest of the poor, a nobody of nobodies, a base, mean, low person. But God has sent this gospel for such as they, for those who are the lowest, those who are sinners, those who are base and poor 
and have nothing to give to God. As we sang that hymn, just as I am. I've got nothing that I can bring to holy God. Lord, I come in the hope that you give to your people, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all I can come in is what he has done. And trusting your word, which says that I receive all those who come to me in the blood of the Son, resting upon him. So in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither bond nor free, there's neither male nor female, for you're all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to promise. It doesn't matter who your parents were or your family, what background you are, what you've done in religion, and what you've done in the world and in this flesh, you that come in Christ are Abraham's seed. You that come in the promise of Christ are just like Abraham, the father of faith. You come in faith, believing just like he did, and your children of Abraham. All right, and so it follows back in Isaiah 66, verse 14. And when ye see this, your heart shall rejoice, and your bones shall flourish like an herb, and the hand of the Lord shall be known toward his servants, and his indignation toward his enemies. And so when faith reveals Christ in the heart, there's rejoicing. You rejoiced at the beginning, we rejoice at the birth of our brethren, of others who hear. And the Lord reminds us that we were born the same way. If you weren't joyful before, when you see how the Lord's done it for you, then you're made joyful and rejoicing in yourselves and in, in what the Lord has done for his people. And the enemies of the Lord, they tremble. They tremble because they know their time is short. Because when the last sinner is saved, the Lord's returning. The Lord's returning and then he'll judge them. So rejoice, brethren, in, in Christ your Savior. Be consoled. Enjoy that milk. Being consoled of what your God has done for you in Christ. Amen.